Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to the Training in Public Health podcast. I'm Shamal Haroon. Transport and urban planning has an important influence on health. As public health in England now largely operates within local authorities, there are huge opportunities to bring about positive changes to population health by bringing a public health perspective into transport and urban planning. I spoke to Duncan Vernon to discuss this further. Hi, Duncan. Thanks very much for joining the podcast. Could you please you. introduce yourself and say a little about your background in public health? Hello. So my name's Duncan Vernon. I'm a specialty registrar in public health, currently ST3. I started the scheme in 2014, um, but my background before that was I was very interested in transport and health and also injury prevention. So I worked for 10 years for the Royal Society for Prevention of Accidents and became the Road Safety Manager of England there. Um, I moved on to the training scheme because it's it's that thing where you start to see um, just what a, what a big world public health is and, and injury prevention in transport was a small part of that. And one of the things I wanted to do was to expand that and, and to become more of a healthy transport expert. Great. Thanks very much for the background. So could you tell me a bit about some of the work that you've been doing uh, as a as a public health registrar and, and perhaps before that in terms of transport and health and, and urban planning? Well, in terms of transport and health, I think there's some very big opportunities for public health and transport professionals to work together. There's a myriad of ways that transport will have an impact on population health, and, and many of which aren't apparent just by um, until you start to get into the subject quite in depth. And one piece of work that I did was called Road Safety and Public Health, and I published that when I was working at ROSPA. And that set out a series of case studies for how road, um, public health and transport professionals can work together. And also it mapped different transport, um, different areas of how transport impacts on health against the public health outcomes framework. So there's quite a, a, a huge range of ways. So, for example, obviously, a lot of people at the moment are talking about active travel and how we can get more people cycling and walking. And that includes walking to things like bus stops in order to get public transport, which can include more more activity than, than just simply jumping into the car. So activity obviously has an impact on um, things such as obesity and heart disease, some cancers and mental health and well-being, um, especially when you can integrate it into your, your daily routine, such as cycling to work. On top of that, there are so many other um, impacts that transport can have on health. There's injury prevention, for example, and, and road safety, especially children. Um, and you see some huge inequalities in, in, in injuries um, on the road. Um, and that's really important to address. And then, of course, there's things such as air pollution, there's things such as climate change, there's things such as noise. One area of transport and health which is, is rarely considered but hugely important is the, is the role that streets have to play in the way that we build communities and build environments. And, for example, there was some research that was carried out in San Francisco in the 1960s which found that the, the more traffic used your road, the fewer people you knew on it, so you had less acquaintances and you tended to see your neighbourhood as much smaller um, than if you lived on a road with very few cars. Now, obviously, that impacts on things such as social, iso social isolation. It impacts on things such as social capital, which are hugely important in, in terms of healthy and active lives. So it covers so many different uh, areas that could influence health. And how, how influential do you think the health community has been in terms of 
trying to get transport and urban planning to be more health promoting? Well, I think the transport professionals and, and certainly transport and planning societies have all, have already acknowledged some of the benefits of, of talking about health. Traditionally, I think transport and planning were seen as, as drivers of economic growth, whereas now increasingly the conversation, certainly in, amongst professional circles in transport, is moving more towards activity. Um, and there's been several good um, there's been several good um, attempts in order to to do that. For example, the Transport Planning Society published an interesting document called Agenda for Change in the middle of last year, which set out their um, which set out their broad approach to how they want to see transport progress over the next 10, 20 years. And that's got some important links into public health. On a more interesting policy level, there are um, there are policies in in cities such as London, such as the, the London Transport Action Plan which sets out a very clear um, roadmap for how to build transport and health closer together. And that's been led by a specialist in public health who's embedded in TfL. So there are huge opportunities for public health to, to add value to the process by getting involved in some of the conversations that are already happening and are already being acknowledged by transport professionals. Oh, that's really helpful. And for those who are perhaps less familiar with transport and urban planning, and it might be something that they've never really worked on before and, and particularly if they've had more of a you know a clinical background in uh, prior yeah. to, to, to training in public health uh, what 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 advice would you give in terms of approaching this topic and 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 what kind of projects do you think um, trainees could could uh, embark on particularly if they're relatively new to to working in this area Okay, there's a couple of things which I'd, um, I think I'd direct people towards to read initially. Um, for example, the, the London Transport Action Plan, which talks about how transport and health link and, and the many ways that health could benefit, um, transport could benefit health, uh, is a very important document for, for, look, for understanding what some of the actions that public health professionals can take are, whether it be health impact assessment, whether it being sort of trying to assist transport professionals to to um, consider the full value of health in, in some of their scheme assessments and, and, um, when they're considering that. So there's some, some really useful action points in there. The World Health Organization has published some documents on this as well, and there's one in transport and health. Um, but very importantly, the World Health Organization has done some good work around road safety. And of course, road safety links very clearly with, with healthy transport. And there are several different, um, a, a good road safety strategy will, will cover um, a lot of other health impacts. Um, finally, there's, there's, a, there's a group called the Transport and Health Study Group, which I'm a member of. Um, and if you're wanting to get some really in-depth knowledge um, of transport and health or some really in-depth knowledge of specific areas, um, there's a, a document called Health on the Move, which is available from their website. Um, and you can, you can access... This access that you could join the um, the group, for example, and, and access that, um, and that will give you such an insight into the, the large amount of literature from not just a public health point of view, but from a transport planning point of view, because of course they have their, their own evidence base that they draw upon as well. Great, I'm sure those resources will be really useful for trainees uh, who are working, particularly in local authorities. Um, what what sort of what do you think uh, public health registrars can bring to to these kind of projects is it more around health impact assessment presenting epidemiology 
looking at the evidence base what or, or is, are there other specific things that, that registrars can, can add value to, to this type of work? Well, I think an interesting project is to look at some of the evidence that they have in transport because they do collect some good evidence on activity um, levels and, and there are things such as the, um, the Department for Transport run um, an annual um, survey about how people commute, for example, and, and you know, how, how many people are cycling, etc., um, so they have they have some evidence in, in transport that can help us, but also we can bring our public health evidence base to support some of the work that they do. And again, we'll have access to, to some of the information about heart disease and, and physical activity, and you know, so so several different aspects of things that they might be interested in when they're planning schemes and to understand the health of the population. So I think there's some really useful and interesting discussions to have around data and putting all of that together in one. I think health impact assessment is is hugely important. And there's, there's it was one of the things in the London Transport Action Plan um, to carry out health impact assessments. And there are, I think there are opportunities for registrars to get involved there. Um, and finally, another way to, to get involved with the broader agenda, I guess, in, in terms of planning, um, there are huge opportunities to to work closely with planning to try and get a public health viewpoint and a public health perspective built into some of the work that they're doing as well, which of course includes transport. Yeah, absolutely. So there's lots of different areas that we can use some of the key skills that we develop in the training scheme and, and apply them here. Um, yeah, and it's learning to speak, a, it, it's an interesting study and, and it's learning to speak another professional language. And, and I think, you know, one of the public health skills is translating between different professional groups and, and certainly transport planners like every professional group and, and planning officers have their own um, language their own things that they reference um, and it's it, it's an, it's a useful insight into how different professional groups act and there's some really useful learning points around engaging professional groups that, that sort of have their own technical language as well yeah absolutely and uh, you know there's a lot of talk about getting health into all policies and, and particularly now that public health um, resides within local authorities, which have a you know an important role in terms of the wider determinants of health, of which I guess transport and urban planning is one. This strikes me as quite a, a rich area where where you can get health, you know, beyond the sort of traditional uh, arena of you know the NHS and social care. Yes, we've moved to local authorities. We're, we're, it, it sort of moved us away from some areas that that can have an impact on health such as healthcare but but straight into organizations which you know would argue that they've already been you know have a long history of improving the health of their populations um, and this is one of the difficulties actually because speaking to say for example planning officers around their schemes you know they will already consider health from a variety of different aspects so say for example traffic injury or air pollution and so part of the public health role, I think, is to use some of the epidemiology about health and, and the health of the population to try and offer a sense of perspective into what sort of developments are, you know, what to build into developments that might really have an impact on, on the local population and, and what is what is important if we're going to, to improve the health. Mm, absolutely. Um, have you had any opportunities in a local authority to, to work on any of the, to, to further the work that you did at Rosper? There's been a. I'm currently on placement in Solihull Council, and there's been some good opportunities to work closely with planning and to see transport and health as a, as part of planning. 
So this, there's huge. Um, so some of that work has involved. Um, I worked with planning policy and took a retrospective look at several of the different um, planning applications that had been that had been approved. And the aim was to understand, you know, what public health input would be most valuable to planning officers, rather than to try and try and you know, to say what had been done right or wrong. But it's to try and look at what we could be offering. And certainly, there's from from the retrospective look, there's huge opportunities to talk more about how urban planning um, can impact on mental health and mental well-being of populations. Certainly, um, and that work um, we developed that, and, and through the through the retrospective look, we developed a workshop, which we involved planning officers, public health, and a range of other partners from across the council and the CCG. Um, and that work was to firstly give lots of planners an introduction to to what is public health, um, to give public health um, officers and, and consultants and, and uh, public health and um, people in the public health directorate an introduction to what is planning and how does the planning process work. But also we we, we tried to start the conversations about what is it that public health offer. So we 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 set up the workshops to where we had the discussion. And at the end of the workshop, we had discussions over those different planning applications. And we used the, the Healthy Urban Planning Framework to set several different questions. We used some of the public health data um, on health of the population in order to, to help steer the conversations towards what it is that public health can offer and to feed into some of the discussions. And that was a very productive meeting. And I think out of that, we've we've got several step next steps. Um, I think with this process, because quite often local authorities, you know, and planning officers, you know, are already working on improving health. It might not necessarily be what we we would define as health in, in, in public health. But I, I think one of the things I've come to appreciate that depending on the makeup of the council and the political leaning and the sort of whether the how officer led or councillor led it is, um, sometimes you know it's it's baby steps at a time but you know i think it has helped to move the conversation on about you know getting people interested in what is a solihull approach to transport and health or so what is a solihull approach to planning and health and certainly it, it's been a, a a good way to to start those conversations hmm. what would you say are the the main skills that you've developed and around this work that you've been doing on transport and urban planning and how how do you do they relate to the training curriculum well certainly there's there's discussions with other professional groups and understanding what their priorities are and understanding actually that um i've, I've learned a lot about what planning officers actually do in terms of um balancing um several of the different competing priorities about say for example the viability of the site the health aspects, the local employment aspects and local business aspects of, of schemes. So it, it's helped me to appreciate exactly what it is that, you know, another directorate of the council does. And it's helped me to appreciate some of the opportunities to get health into there. Um, so there's competencies around engaging other professional groups and, and influencing others, um, which have been been useful to address through this work. And also there's opportunities, of course, to apply public health evidence bases and to look at other evidence bases, such as the sort of um, information that they publish in, in transport journals um, or planning journals and, and understanding what other, other professions mean by evidence. With planning, for example, evidence might, might be 
more policy led or, or you know decisions might be more policy driven and, and the policy and, and local knowledge are seen as evidence whereas I think in, in public health we might have a very different view of, of what evidence is so it, it's sort of helping to understand what different professions mean by evidence and then of course what with that understanding what the opportunities are for um, for the communication and for the um, and for influencing. And where do you see this work going forward for yourself? I mean, have any opportunities arisen which will allow you to carry this work on? Um, for myself personally, um, unfortunately, one of the things with, with being a trainee is, is, I guess, these long-term projects of shifting the relationship between two departments um, on is, is sort of of, often curtailed by the length of, of placement. I think there may well be some interesting opportunities for trainees in in future when we're talking about devolution and certainly when transport is being looked at at a regional level um, in some of the, the sort of larger, wider, devolved um, authorities. It could be really interesting to see how what opportunities there are for public health um, trainees to, to sort of try and get placements within that forum in order to, to really drive um, health in transport and health in planning at a much broader level and to get some of the wider overarching policies right. Yeah. And I can imagine that that getting this right could have huge benefits for, for population health, but I'm, I'm guessing it's quite hard to actually measure that and evaluate the, the actual impact that it has on, on the population's health. Do you have any thoughts on yes. that? Yes. I mean, this is one of the difficulties of evaluating impact. For example, it, it may well be, you know, easy to to evaluate and, and using something like a randomised control trial, you know, a medical procedure or, you know, introduction of a new service. What it isn't, what it isn't easy to do is is to, um, to of course measure the, the difference <laughs> that that a citywide um, intervention might might uh, might make because you 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 don't necessarily have a decent comparison. There have been some really interesting attempts to. To measure that, and there's some useful systematic reviews. And I'm, I'm thinking, say, for example, Mark Pettigrew of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine had, had done a systematic review on um, on planning and health, and there was a really interesting analysis of um, regeneration schemes um, between 2000, uh, sort of within the New Labour era, I guess um, you'd, you'd call it, um, and sort of trying to find useful comparisons. But of course, it's it's quite hard to, because the impact of a planning scheme might have a, such a variety of smaller impacts. It, it's quite hard to um, it's quite it is quite hard to measure. But it's important, to, I think, to be specific about what impact you think a, a planning scheme might have, so that you can measure um, sort of some of the some of the things that might indicate whether you're moving towards that or not. So so rather than your long term outcomes, what short term outcomes can you be measuring? Mm. Sometimes I think it's it, it'd be quite useful to to take a retrospective look at some of the schemes and some of the planning applications that have gone in and to understand whether we are getting it right. One specific issue, for example, is um, a lot of new developments because people people who buy new developments are more likely to be car owners um, than people who don't. So so there's often quite a large parking provision in car parking spaces um, for private houses. And of course, that has an impact on the amount of space that can be used for green infrastructure, for example, or garden space or, or you know, slightly larger houses, which are more accessible and can have an impact on, on the health of the scheme. But I, I, I don't necessarily think that um, 
you know, we've had a systematic approach to looking back at schemes and understanding, you know, our, is the full provision of car parking taken up? Do we get that right? And if not, perhaps in future, could we have um, schemes with fewer car parking or different approaches to car parking so that the, um, the space can be used more for um, health improvement? Mm. Do you have any other advice you'd like to share with, with other registrars who, who might be interested in gaining more experience in this area? Yes, I mean, it, it, it can depend a lot on your local authority. Um, so, I mean, if you're in a, in a zone and you're interested in, in, in this sort of work, it, it's probably useful to scope out what's happening in each local authority's um, first. Um, sometimes you might find yourself starting it off and other, other times you might find yourself actually there's, there's a really good relationship. So I think there's, you know, when choosing placements, it's important to understand where the, where the relationship is at. Um, so if you're interested in, in getting involved in, in this sort of scheme, I, th- I think there's, there's probably some, some useful work to do around uh, before starting a local authority about where, where things are. And any conferences or courses that you'd recommend in this area? In transport and health, there was a new MSc that's, that was just started by UCL, um, which looked quite interesting and looked to be a really good um, foundation um, into, into, the, um, into the topic and, and, you know, certainly developing the skills um, and developing a, a more in-depth understanding as well. Um, there is a conference of transport and health, and the first one happened in London um, last year. I think the next one is in, um, in the US, but certainly that's useful to look out for. The Transport and Health Study Group sometimes has um, occasional conferences and, and um, if you become involved in that, then there's opportunities, I think, to, to speak to other professionals. And there is a good journal of Transport and Health that's that launched, I think it was two years ago now, um, but has, has quickly shot up the, um, the impact, um, quickly shot up the impact factor um, and, and looks to be a really good journal and, and, you know, has in fact already published several papers which are which, which are very important. Great. And is there anything else you'd like to comment on that we haven't covered? In terms of transport and health, there's some really good opportunities for public health to be advocates for 20 mile per hour limits. Um, initially, you know, speed management has been a um, sort of very much seen as a, a road safety thing. And, and in fact, you know, slowing vehicles down will, will have a positive impact on, um, on, on injuries by reducing them. And, you know, there's been some really good evaluations of 20 mile per hour zones where they're backed up with, with sort of traffic calming, but you know, they, they have a huge impact on preventing child injuries. But 20 mile an hour limits can also have an impact on things such as um, how much people get out and start to cycle and start to walk. And again, it's this perception and this fear of traffic which can limit people from doing that. And if you slow traffic down, then obviously that has a positive impact on, on sort of people's perception of, you know, how safe it is to walk and cycle. And it can encourage physical activity, which, of course, has a range of benefits for public health. And it can encourage a lot more social contact within communities. And there's been some good council schemes where they, um, thinking, for example, in Lancashire, where they, um, they supported the introduction of 20 mile per hour limits with education and with schemes to get people cycling and to get people to to adapt and, and to to the new environments and, and to you know, build up their confidence in cycling as well as um having the change to the environment so i think there's some really useful public health projects to be advocates of 20 mile per hour limits and to make sure that where they are introduced there's a comprehensive package of of health education and, and health promotion around it 
Great. Well, that's been really informative, Duncan. Thanks so much for your time and taking part in the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I hope I hope it's been useful. I hope you found this podcast informative. I welcome your comments and feedback, which you can send to traininginpublichealth at gmail.com. You can access other episodes at SoundCloud and subscribe on iTunes. Many thanks for listening.